begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Ben and I, Star Raptor, here for Outer Rim transmission number 43. We are reviewing today the latest episode of the Book of Boba Fett, which is Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian. Plus, we're going to be breaking down all that awesome Star Wars gaming goodness uh, with the announcement of Respawn from EA working on three new Star Wars games. Plus, we get a blast from the past with Star Wars 1313, that canceled game that we all couldn't get enough of seeing, that Coruscant kind of scum and all that sort of thing. We get to see some more footage from that game. So we're going to be talking about that all on today's episode. As always, make sure you go ahead and listen to us on all your favorite podcast catchers. And you can always watch us live every Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern. We are not joined by Milton this week, but we hope to see him next week. So how you been, man? How's it going, Ben? Good, good. Just uh, trying to stay warm. It's literally been like hot here. I mean, a couple days ago, it was negative five degrees outside in the morning when I woke up. So that was a that was a great way to get out and you know take the dog out at six o'clock in the morning and just, you know, felt like you're about freezing. Yeah, that's uh, that's also kind of what it is up here. It's about to be the Hoth over here as well because we got a blizzard coming in in the northeast, a big uh, winter storm, the first big one maybe of the year. So that's always fun. I don't mind getting like one big storm because it's always fun, you know, as long as it snows enough for me to warrant taking a day off of work and, you know, just chilling for the most part, doing a little bit of work shoveling, which is a decent enough workout. Um as long as this is not going to happen like every other week, then it just becomes an inconvenience. But um, I'm, I'm excited about it. Make me have like more of like a three day weekend going into it. But um, yeah, so let's kind of just get right into it. My week in Star Wars was kind of was kind of lackluster. I was watching a an old school. movie. I wouldn't even say it's old school, to be honest with you. It's just an older movie called Dark Shadows. Um, it's about vampires. And apparently... You can't have a vampire movie without having a cameo from the the good old Dracula himself of uh, no, nobody other than Christopher Lee. Count Dooku himself appeared in this movie, and he was, like, not even a vampire. He was just, like, a, a fisherman captain um, that this one family wanted to kind of get to be uh, to be rich or something to make, you know, the fishing village rich and all that. So it was a very minor part. He was literally in one scene, but it was like, yep, that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, and of course, anything Dracula or vampire related, it's so cliche back then, you know, for Christopher Lee to be in it. But hey, you gotta love the guy. You gotta love seeing him in those type of things. He's such, you know, an icon in and of himself. Um, you know, it's just a, it's it's always great. Also, just in general, you know, seeing Star Wars actors like across, you know, different movies or shows like that. Yeah. So so, what about you? What's your week at Star Wars? Anything yeah. noteworthy? Yeah. Uh, uh, my week in Star Wars, it wasn't nothing too crazy, really. I mean, of course, we had the, um, I about said the Mandalorian Boba Fett on Wednesday. <laughs> and then, uh, other than that, just, uh, you know, going through YouTube, it's it's cool looking at different things. There's actually a guy on YouTube, I don't remember the username, um, for anybody who's fans of the whole, uh, like, the whole uh, Dark Empire line, like the comic line. So, there's a, there's a guy who's actually... Um, animating like the last time he posted a video was like six months ago so you know who knows if he's still doing it now but he actually posted like a 15 minute video like of like the first uh, chapter 
like he's animating the Dark Empire comic. Oh. And it's actually, it's done pretty well. Like he has some like voiceover people, like, you know, they don't sound great. Like it, it's, it is what it is, but it's cool. His animation was actually pretty good. Like it was like 90s style cartoon, but it was done really well. Like I, I was really impressed actually by it. Damn. Yeah. I, yeah. I know there's a lot of comic animation on there. I, I remember seeing from time to time, they have like some of the, the newer Canon uh, different things. I think like they have a Vader down animated comic and things of that nature. Uh, so it's definitely a, a really cool part of the community. If you guys ever check it out, just like, Hey, maybe you don't read a lot of the comics, but you want something that's a little flashier, you know, than the comics. It could be a, it could be a cool thing to just like spend one, one afternoon just looking through um, all the cool content out there. Oh yeah. Content from like the fans and just in general, like across these platforms, it's always a, just a great way to get into Star Wars, whether it's canon, not canon, fan films. We've talked about fan films on here before. Those are always a lot of fun to check out. Like, I love seeing people's creativity when it comes to those. And, you know, it's always great seeing some of the Star Wars cliches thrown in there. Like, I have a bad feeling about this or things like that. Like, it's just a great part of the community, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that, that's a lot of fun, especially co-workers of mine you know where we're talking um at, at different times of downtime and we have uh conversations a lot of it goes to star wars uh, there's a lot of star wars conversations that are happening at my job as of late there there's there's two uh co-workers in particular uh, rose chatting and, and and a lot of the conversation we actually had earlier this week was about some of the the, the stuff on youtube that people create and it's pretty incredible you know, pretty incredible stuff, you know, three to five minute long videos that'll kind of shock you for the amount of work that these these people put into them. I really like the one from Star Wars Theory with with Vader. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think that was really well put together. And it's that's like for me, that's like one of the better ones I've seen. Oh, yeah. His his was done really well. Um, there's that old classic, the Darth Maul fan film that was put together, like the little five minute thing that's out there that was done pretty well. There's there's a few different really like iconic ones. Um, there is one you may you may or may not remember. It was maybe ten years ago or so. It was when YouTube really first started getting going. It was a uh, it was a series a guy made on YouTube. It was like Darth Vader as a manager, like in a grocery store. Oh yeah, I, um, I don't remember what it was called, but Chad Vader um, or something. Yep, Chad Vader. Yeah, that um, there was that series. I remember. Like, there's a few different like iconic, um, like little Star Wars things like that that are really cool. And hey, talking about finding stuff people made, I actually had someone funny story. So I had someone I went to college with. Well, actually, I uh, he um, a professor. He he contacted me. Mind you, he doesn't have me added on Facebook or social media or anything. And he. Uh, he sent me a message. Like I saw, I had a message request and I was like, Oh, let me see who messaged me. You know? Cause a lot of times it's just spam crap. And I, uh, I checked, I was like, Oh, it was one of my professors. I was like, let me see what he has to say. He's like, Hey Ben, hope you're doing well. I, uh, I was scrolling through YouTube and I had a suggested star Wars video and I saw you have like a star Wars podcast now. <laughs> and, no and I said, I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I do. I said, that's, that's me. Um, so yeah, he what? actually found our, our podcast just scrolling. It was like a suggested video early, a couple days ago. And I was like, what in the world? Um, so that I was like, man, insane. small world. That is absolutely insane that like somehow the algorithm pulled our podcast out of thin air like that. Yeah, I know. Cause, cause he said he was just scrolling through, like looking at like movie related, you know, just 
just stuff in this space. And like it suggested like our last week's episode for our, like our re- review of Book of Boba, I guess. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't have a, a ton of views. We'll say that. But so I, that's why it's really interesting. It's not like our video is trending on YouTube or anything. No, I know. That's what that's why I was surprised. I was like, are you sure? You, he's like, no. He's like, check your Facebook. He doesn't have me on any social media platform. So it was totally just like organic. So I was wow. like, what in the world? Yeah, it, it's very weird because it's not like your name. I don't really even put your name in any of the description information or titles yeah. or, or anything at all. So that was like a, a shot in like a million that he just clicked on the video and seen you in there. Yeah, because yeah, he was like, I think that looks like Ben on the thumbnail. And he clicked on it and um, because, you know, how it like previews the video when you hover over the video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he's like, I think that looked like Ben on there. And he, he said he clicked on it and he was like, what the heck? That's Ben. <laughs> So I was like, okay. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that that's always funny. Um, you know, getting getting those notifications or or even from hearing hear from people at work or or family or friends or like, hey, you do that Star Wars thing. That's always kind of like an awkward kind of thing, a little bit. Where I'm just like, yeah, I try to downplay it. Like, yeah, you know, it's just a little hobby of mine. I just try to have some some cool conversations with some buddies of mine and. And that's about it. Oh, yeah. No, those are always interesting conversations for sure. And then I have like, um, you know, we go to like family gatherings and here's my grandma. She's like pulling up um, the show going, hey, look at Ben talking on this YouTube thing. Oh, yeah. I'm just laughing. I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. Like, like my <laughs> girlfriend has a tendency to tell me about when she turns it on the TV and like her extended family will be over in the living room and she'll be like, hey, look at this. Like, hey, that's my boyfriend on the, on the TV. It's like, wait, what oh, the yeah, that's, heck? <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it was when my um, my sister used to work a shift at the hospital from 6 to 2.30 a.m., 6 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. Oh, yeah. And when we would go live on Friday nights, her and her coworkers, like in the break room, they would turn us on on one of the computers and and <laughs> sit there and say, oh, look, there's my brother. <laughs> um, but... uh. Like I would, I would, I would get done with our shows and have random Snapchats of the screen of us on there, and oh and I'm gosh. like, holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so before we get into our discussion, I do want to mention uh, for those of you that like our discussions here on the channel, I was a guest on the Star Wars Underworld episode where we reviewed the Book of Boba Fett and talked about video games. A lot of things we're talking about tonight. So if you want to see what I have to say on that, and as well as other opinions, um. My good buddies from the Star Wars Underworld, Dominic and Chris and Ben over there. Definitely check them out. Subscribe to their channel and uh, subscribe to them on their podcast. Those guys, again, I'll say it again. Like They were one of the inspirations for me starting this YouTube channel and starting podcasts. So definitely a lot of good folks over there. Check out the Star Wars Underworld. Uh, with that being said, we're going to give our spoiler-free takes for the first few minutes here of Episode 5, Season 1 of The Book of Boba Fett. So this episode... I can't even really say without spoiling, so I kind of have to do it, I guess. Okay, this is basically a Mandalorian episode. There you go. So, (laughs) we get a little side adventure of Mandalorian, and it's a little bit more than a side adventure because we get a lot of information regarding the Trail of the Tears, the the Darksaber, how that's working, what's Grogu doing, what's Moff Gideon doing. We get to see a new ship that that, uh, Din Djarin gets to fly around and returns to Tatooine. So, there's a lot in this episode so much, so surprising about how much Mando we got in this episode. So I'm going to throw it to you first, Ben. Initial thoughts, spoiler free on this episode. All right. I thought the episode was by far the best of this series. I thought it was excellent. Um, 
you know, it had the action we were looking for from the get go. Um, I'm not sure about you, but my initial thought within the first five minutes was that's how Boba Fett should be acting, not how he's acting up to this point. Um, and also, like I said, the episode was excellent, but I mean, we all love John and Dave and Robert Rodriguez here, but man, the way they did this episode compared to the other episodes, I'm just thinking, what were you guys seeing in the first four episodes that made you do them so um, slow, I guess, compared to this one? Like, I don't know. It just, I mean, it, it could be just, you know, who knows? On paper, I guess, on paper, the first four episodes sound really good. I think if you think about it, like if it was wrote down on a script. So I think that's how it got past their desks. But man, like it just made me look and think it's like, man, you know, not every, not all these, you know, creators we follow are perfect. And I think the first four episodes of the show are not perfect. And also like on a, uh, like a, on a real world level, I do feel real. I do feel really bad for Tamara Morrison, honestly, because so many people are like, you know, I see people like crapping on the first four episodes, like hardcore saying, you know, just forget the first four episodes and just focus on Mando, this, that, and the other thing. And like Tamara Morrison was so excited to play Boba again. And then, you know, basically, basically like John and Dave and Robert, like we haven't seen the final two episodes, but they basically sabotage Boba Fett's character in this, like by putting this episode in the series. Like I, I love this episode. Like I said, it's the best episode of the season, but to me, it just basically bombed out Boba Fett's char character completely because all I was thinking was this is how Boba Fett's supposed to be acting. And he's not so like, I loved what they did with Mando. I uh, I loved where the episode ended. I and then I loved, of course, you know the different um, callbacks and things throughout the episode. We'll get into that into the more um, spoiler part of it. But overall, you know, like I said, I thought it was really good. I uh, loved it, but it just has me questioning some of the direction for the first four episodes. Like, why did we go in the direction we went? Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so, so great thoughts there. I mean, the direction and everything, uh, the first four episodes are really going to be a lot about building up Boba Fett. And I, I, I do have a theory. I have, I have a very strong theory about what, what the heck is going on with the show in general. I think the main thing that doesn't connect with me with the, with the series is just the fact that we're not getting a good view of these villains. We're, we're the, the, the main plot of book of Boba Fett. We have this conflict about Pike's, we haven't really seen the freaking Pikes. They are not even like a tangible enemy. We don't know why we should fear them or anything or what the ramification could be if they ruled over Tatooine. We don't know the spice trade. We don't know anything about what's the nuances of why we're even caring at this point. So I think that for me is what, what also tells the future of the story where we have these last two episodes where it's going to, they have to do a lot of work. The Book of Boba Fett has a lot of heavy lifting if they want to stick the landing. There's a possibility that they can stick the landing, but to do it in two episodes is going to take a lot of surprises um, coming our way, a lot of action coming our way, and a lot of resolution that will also pay off in a, in a, in, a, in a, another season, an additional season. So that's why I think you know the Pikes are not going to be the real enemy. The real enemy is going to be Crimson Dawn, and that will lead into the Season 2, which will be all focus on on Crimson Dawn season two of Book of Boba Fett because uh, you know get this right off the top of the show they don't do four episodes that are mostly flashbacks and an entire episode that doesn't even have Boba Fett in it to end his story with these last two episodes they, they they've 
put way too much groundwork and foundational work in his entire character, his story, to just throw it away, essentially, with, with these last two episodes. I, I really think that we're getting a lot more from Boba Fett coming up, and they're saving like this big action moment for him in the next episode and the episode after that. So I wouldn't go as far um, to say, like, you know, Bo Boba Fett's character is doomed after this series because we still have to watch it. I feel like this show is going to be one of those shows where it's like it's a sum of all its parts and it's going to be that show that you're going to look back and be like, hey, I see why they did this, why they did this. Could there have been more action? Could there have been better um, pacing? Sure, there could have been. But I think by the end of the day, we got to, you know, the next episode is going to be directed by Dave Filoni. And I guess the last episode will be like John Favreau or somebody directing them. So we know those guys deliver on the on the on the episodes they direct. So I don't really have as much like Bryce Dallas Howard kicked ass in this episode directing it. I don't really have much. Uh, it's not like I'm really waiting on bated breath to be like, hey, we're actually not going to get a great episode. I think we're going to get two great episodes and it's going to lead us into something much, much bigger than than that. Um, so, oh, I yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I think the final two episodes are going to be um, I, I think there's a lot of directions they could go. I mean, we'll get into that once we get uh, through our our breakdown of the episode when we get into more of like predicting and things. But, uh, yeah, I think I think they will. Um, they should. I guess I just should say they should um, do that. Like should, you know, be more actionist with Boba Fett in the final two episodes. Um, because if they don't, uh, I mean, we'll get into that when, if that, if or when that would happen. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's heading in a good direction, especially the way this episode ended. I think there's several routes we can take with this show. Yeah. So as far as like my initial reaction, my initial impressions were, I thought this was a fantastic Mandalorian episode. It was not perfect. It was far from perfect. There was pacing issues even in this episode. I feel like there's a lot of walking, a lot of walking, especially on my second viewing. It's like that first couple minutes of the episode. It's just like, I was like, kind of like, all right, let's, let's get on with it. I get it. This is a beautiful shot where we're walking around like this one shot um, of him going down an elevator on that. It's cool and all, but it's a little bit slow. Um, the same thing with the, the shipbuilding episode, um, just very, very slow pace, very slow pace with that. Um, and yeah. what takes me out of it is like, we were getting such great development on Boba Fett and I was really getting hooked on Boba Fett's story. And then we get this episode where just like, it just derails that momentum for me. And that just also I have to dock some points for it just to be, you know, derailing it a little bit. Did it connect? Oh, it certainly connected with Fennec Shand. Um, but still nonetheless, I would have liked maybe a formatted to be a little bit different there um real quick i'm yeah. gonna shout out dark nerdy gonzo in the chat we have aaron daly here in the chat everybody you can join us live and join the discussion every friday at nine o'clock eastern as we go live um so those are my initial impressions those are your initial impressions um we've talked spoiler free long enough for this I, i've it's kind of hard to even talk about this episode without spoilers <laughs> i think i probably gave plenty of spoilers away but I can't really say much more than that. So we're going to go like chronologically through this episode. Um, what was your first reaction to seeing him coming into that, that new kind of um, <laughs> room there with the, I guess in the, in the art, it was actually the concept art actually had frozen tauntauns. It looked like, what'd you think about that scene with the entrance of the Mandalorian, the return of the Mandalorian? I 
I um initially I thought I was just like, whoa, like Mando's back. Like we all knew he was coming back, but I was kind of nervous he was going to be like pull a Luke and Force Awakens type deal. You know, I thought it was going to be in the final minute of this episode, but you know, it, you know, they hit us over the head with it just like they did Ahsoka. You know, Ahsoka started out oh, yeah, boom yeah. right in the beginning of her episode. So it was very similar, actually, to the fifth episode of Mando season two, which is which is interesting in that. Um, my uh, my initial impression to the start of the episode, I thought was, you know, excitement. I uh, I love seeing uh, Mando like just basically busting with the action in the first couple minutes. Like I thought they did a really good job at setting the tone like that. But again, like I said, my initial also initial reaction, like like I said, my good friend, he always comes over every week. Um, brings pizza to watch it and stuff <laughs> and um and we we both said the same thing though like this is what boba fett's supposed to be doing like this is what boba's supposed to be doing so like it's um like it was great seeing mando get introduced again like that and i'm not sure about you but this actually um like i feel like he's he's I feel like he was more ruthless. I don't know. It could, it could have just been that specific sequence, but it just felt like he was definitely more ruthless than he was without or with Grogu, I guess I would say. Yeah, what this scene tells me is Mando has moved on. Mando has now kind of gone on from being the watcher, the defender of Grogu, who has moved on. And he's kind of gone back to what he used to. He's a bounty hunter, although he is, you know, trying to find his people. That's why he's doing the bounty mission to, to, to find his people. But it just seemed like, wow, this is this is Mando like we almost seen in, in season one, episode one at that that cantina. And I love the dialogue. I think they do a great job with the Klaatuines, um, of going back and forth with Mando and him. And, you know, I could bring you in warm or I could bring you in cold. I love how they brought that that line back because I don't even think that was even in season two at all. So to see that going down mm-hmm. and to see the, the, the dark saber coming out to see that for the first time him wielding the dark saber taking fools out left and right but obviously struggling with it into the point where he's actually slashing himself and it shows like yes he's all this metal armor but he's still vulnerable like he he looks like he's undefeatable but he is vulnerable i, I really like that we get that introspection right off the bat with him just from this one scene yeah, oh, big time. I like that he finally got hurt because up to this point, we've really never seen him get hurt, you know, for the most part, like overall. Um, so it, it was really cool seeing that. And um, speaking of him, uh, you know, in all his armor and everything, it, it really felt like his armor got a good cleanup. Like, I don't know, his armor just looked real clean and it, it just looks so nice. Um but yeah, I, I love seeing him whip out the dark saber. I thought that was great. Like it was surprising. Like we knew he had the dark saber, yeah. but man, like him just whipping it out for a fight. Like I was like, holy smokes! Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so getting on from there, we do a panning shot, and I had to kind of you know double take. Like, am I watching Halo? Is that is that Halo? Like, what's going on yep, here? That's what I thought. A ring too. <laughs> world. The first time in Star Wars, we're getting a ring world. Um, well, it's not technically a world. It's it's like a big artificial city, but that was neat. I love when Star Wars brings in new locations. And I was saying this in the last episode we had, where I was like, part of the reason why I I think this the show is not hitting with me as much is we're staying on the same planet, the same location. 
So I was super excited to actually see us move away from Tatooine for an episode, or at least half the episode, and see this new city. It's got like, you know, the, the underworld is heavily involved between the people that are putting out bounties and between, the, you know, the people are just whatever they're doing, the meat packing industry, whatever's going on there. But as much as, you know, Dark Nerdy Gonzo was mentioning, as much as it was slow walking around, at least the slow walking and it led to a little bit of world building. You see some ships outside. You just see like the the people around. He gets in an elevator and has that awkward stare with the person's like, "What the hell is this guy dragging a a head in a sack for? You know, <laughs> dripping blood. What, what what is this?" So so I liked that aspect of okay, this is a cool new location in Star Wars to add to the pantheon. Oh yeah, like I mean, look, like you said, we literally have talked about it the last few weeks is, you know, we need to like get off Tatooine. Um, and this was definitely a great change of pace. It was a great change of color palette. It was more darker, um, colors. So that change of pace. And I just thought, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's always interesting seeing new worlds in star Wars. That's one of, one of the major appeals of the entire star Wars universe is just seeing the, you know, diverse, unique worlds, whether it be this place or Coruscant or Mustafar, Tatooine or whatever, like just the different color palettes, the different um, building structures, things like that. Like it definitely was a nice change of pace. Oh yeah. Um, so let's talk about the whole scene with, with this big revelations of uh, the armor, Paz Vizsla. And we'll start with the dark saber. What'd you think about the big history lesson that we get sort of like what we got from um, Kanan was it, or I don't know who was telling um, Sabine in rebels, but were you expecting to have that much information about the dark saber so soon after Mando season two? Um, I wasn't expecting it, but I knew something like that could be potentially coming just because, you know, we kind of had a general idea of it from like rebels and um, clone wars and things like that. But they also needed to do kind of an exposition dump for like the general audience, like the people who hadn't seen the, the shows as well. So I thought it was a good, um, it was a good exposition dump, and the girl uh, Emily Swallow, the girl that plays um, the armor, she does such a great job. Like her voice, like I don't know about you, but her voice fits like that mystic, you know what I mean, like that mystic oh, yeah. feel to a character so well, or like ancient feel. Like she does such a great job with that, um, and yeah, her just like telling the whole history of it, history lesson, um, the whole. Uh, like night of a thousand tears, that whole thing. Like it was great hearing, great seeing that in a flashback. Like that was, that's really cool. Like seeing actually what was going on and how like basically the Mandalorians got exterminated. Um, so like that was really, that was really cool. And then, I mean, not cool for the Mandalorians, cool for us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a uh, a really good like little history lesson for us as an audience, also for Din's character as well. Because sometimes, sometimes when you get those exposition dumps, they're not good for the character. They're basically just for the you know us as the viewer. But it was also a really good history lesson for Din. So I thought that was a valuable um, a valuable way they did it. And then just overall, um, it's great like how they had the conversation about Bo Katan. Uh, during all that and like basically it, it is interesting like you know we we don't know how like superstitions and things like that work in the star wars universe and, you know they mentioned like the curse of mandalore like 
you know, if you don't rightfully earn the Darksaber. So Bo-Katan technically didn't earn it the right way. So is her not earning the Darksaber the proper way the reason all the Mandalorians got taken out for the most part? Yeah, it's so interesting about that prophecy because it lines up literally directly with what has happened. Like, yep. so well, right? It's like, what the hell? Um, But I love, because there was a lot of theories. We did not know about how, you know, they were going to work around this whole theory about, hey, how does Mando have it and, and why does Moff Gideon have it and not Bo-Katan and all this kind of thing? It's all interesting about, hey, you know, it's if it's gifted to you, that's not the same as earning it in combat, right? Sabine gave the, 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 the Darksaber to to her Bo-Katan so it makes a lot of cool sense in universe now we're getting the official explanation there is no arguing back and forth to one another about hey why is this person have more claim to this than this person and you know it's just like anything in Game of Thrones or whatever it's like well they'll still think they have claim to it they're gonna fight for it anyway but the rightful person has this stronger claim to it um so so for me to see that was was pretty neat to see all that history um, and, and you were going back to just the, the character or, or the actor of Emily Swallow. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's it's interesting because Din has a very specific way of speaking, a very specific uh, tongue as well as a way of speaking. And it really does feel like he's part of a clan with Emily Swallow's character because the kind of terminology she uses makes her feel like she's like a very old character. Like, you know what I mean? Like that verbiage and different yep. things she uses. And, and you know, like Mandalorian was like, I have to quit. I've been quested this mission or something. Like the way he just explains yep. stuff seems like so old days. Right. And it makes sense because he grew up in this culture and they mentioned they were on Concordia. Like that's where they grew up, which was actually from the Clone Wars. Like that's where Pre Vizsla, I believe, was hiding out, wasn't he? Yeah. Pre Vizsla was there. And like, that's where like the whole Death Watch thing mm -hmm. um was uh, from, was it in Clone Wars or Rebels? I don't remember. That was Clone Wars. Okay, Clone Wars, yep. But I do really enjoy the fact that we got another great mechanism for a flashback, right? That, that do a great job in the Star Wars series of, of giving us a reason why we're getting these flashbacks. It's not just out of the blue. Like, hey, every time armor is made, Mando is given a flashback of some sort. Or every time Boba goes in the back of the tank, he has some introspection as he's just chilling there. So he's getting flashbacks. So I like how they are because, you know, Star Wars for a long time there wasn't using any flashbacks. Like it never even really used to have flashbacks. And now these series are finding inventive ways of kind of giving us a glimpse into these characters' minds and, and why it makes sense for them to have these these flashbacks and these lore dumps um, when we get them as the viewer. Uh, so let's, let's talk about this whole whole big thing about the Darksaber itself and what I like about the Darksaber is well first off it's just so funny like we're learning so much about the Darksaber in a Boba Fett episode <laughs> who would ever think right <laughs> who would ever think we would get this kind of joy in the middle of Book of Boba Fett season one about all this cool stuff but I like the Darksaber as kind of like the Excalibur it's like this this weapon that everybody knows about but only certain people can actually wield it and I just love that attention to detail, right? You see him versus Paz Vizsla. Paz Vizsla gets it and barely can hold the thing. And the guy's freaking huge compared to Mando. John, Mando John Favreau, by the way. Yeah. Now, is that him in the armor or is that like just his voice? Oh, that was his voice. But yeah, yeah it's his voice. 
Yeah. Anyways, yeah, continue. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that whole aspect of the dark saber. It's not just any any sword. It's not just any lightsaber. I mean, yes, it's got he even mentions it has special Beskar, right? Tar Vizsla, this Mandalorian made it ten thousand years ago or something like that. Or no, it was one thousand years ago he made the lightsaber. The the, the Mandalorians have been around for ten thousand years. I think that's what she was saying. But yeah. that leads me to believe, like, okay. Like a lot of the lightsabers, well, the lightsabers that the Jedi use, a lot of them connect with their kyber crystal. So I'm thinking that oh, does that mean like you have to kind of be maybe pseudo force sensitive in some manner to actually control the dark saber? I mean, Sabine, we don't think that she's force sensitive and she was kicking ass with that. But then I was realizing as I was saying this, well, Pre Vizsla wielded the dark saber pretty damn well, and I'm pretty sure. He wasn't force sensitive, or at least we didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. I don't think it's a requirement you're force sensitive. Um, it's kind of like the whole um, what's uh, what's Thor's hammer called? Molnir. Yeah, Molnir. Like it's kind of that whole thing of like if you're like honorable enough to like wield it, you can pick it up. You know, like we saw Captain America, he couldn't really um, pick it up, and you know until he was like able to like. You know, so I think, I think it's going to be something like that with Mando. I do. Um, the more that we've talked about it, I do think there's a ballpark chance, um, a slight chance, but I do think there's a chance eventually maybe Boba ends up being the one who's able to pick it up and use uh -huh. it, possibly. Um, just because, like, I don't know. It, it just. Yeah. It's so interesting of a, uh, a thing to add into it. Like you said, it's like Excalibur. So, you know, who's going to be the honorable character or who's going to be the character that's going to be able to wield it? Will it be Mando? Will it be Boba? Will it be Bo-Katan maybe earning her um, honor back or whatever? Like, because I never viewed Mando as like a, like a ruler, you know? So, like, it mm -hmm. just makes me wonder the direction they're going to go with the Darksaber. But like you said, like seeing the lore of it, and everything like that was so. Um, it was such a great sequence there between um, the armor and Vizsla and Mando himself. Yeah, and they do a great job because, let's face it, a lot of the viewers of the show. The show tr attracts so many millions of people watching it, or Mandalorian in general. There's going to be a lot of people that have never watched a single episode of Rebels or Clone Wars, and they're going to be like, "Why is everybody freaking out?" So I think they did a good job for just the casual viewers of Star Wars to be like, "Hey, this is why it's important." that you know about this weapon. Here's a quick rundown. So it didn't didn't feel like it was way out of place or exposition super heavy at any point. Um, but this whole scene, just in general, was just epic. I mean, the whole dueling with the armor, using her, like, forge weapons against him, and then just the fact that he was dueling against Paz Vizsla, and he was using that energy shield like, you know, Sabine would have or any other Mandalorian. Like, seeing that live action was pretty freaking sick. And then seeing Mando with the... Um, vibro blade dagger and you can see like little vibration like particle effects on it like slashing his hamstrings and and everything else was just like really cool kinetic um but the biggest part of this is and this is where i really like this episode because they really dig in deep to the characters and this episode is absolutely mandatory viewing if you are watching the mandalorian you're gonna have to watch this episode because they address the whole fact that Mando has taken off his helmet more than once and he's called out on it and he falters and he has to, he has to admit it. And they're basically saying he is no longer a Mandalorian. 
So that was huge because you have an episode called the, you know, Return of the Mandalorian. Is he even a Mandalorian anymore? Right? What is he going to do? Is he going to side with Bo-Katan? We know that Bo-Katan is absolutely the opposite of the armor. Armor is almost looking like more of a villain at this point. So it's like, what is his mindset? What is what is Din Djarin's mindset at this point? He tries to be like, hey, is there anything I can do? Oh, you got to go underneath the, the wells of Mandalore and all this sort of thing. But man, oh man, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? That that was a pretty big moment right there. Oh, well, I, I looked over at my buddy and was like, well, there's your plot of Mando season three. Like that's that's going to be the overarching arc for Din throughout the entire thing of he's going to have to obviously we'll deal with Grogu eventually or whatever but I think that'll be the overarching plot of him like trying to find these wells to um to go back to and I feel like that's going to eventually that'll lead us to reconnecting with Bo-Katan because you know Bo-Katan's obviously been to Mandalore when she said to Boba it's not you know it's not glassed over you know so she uh she's been there before so I feel like eventually we're gonna have Den connect with Bo and she'll be the one like leading him potentially on this journey to to these wells to go underwater and um, become a Mandalorian at once again is what I, I think that's going to be the the whole overarching story of Mando season three uh, or at least the B plot story compared to like the big you know whatever the big galactic threat is yeah yeah so scrambled goose welcome back to the chat man it's it's great to see you active in there he's saying something about oh he's gonna go beneath the mines to the living waters and finds a mythosaur calling it now and you know when i was actually thinking the same thing yesterday i was like that could be funny because they specifically say oh mythosaur uh, something of legends it's like yeah okay they specifically point that out it's like you know that's gonna come into play some year and will Boba well, Fett ride a mythosaur? Because apparently Boba Fett just loves riding any kind of creature. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they they brought it up in this episode. They already had Boba Fett say, I've ridden things ten times bigger than a Rancor. So I feel like the precedence has been set. Like, I think, I mean, there's a chance Boba's going to be going on this journey with Mando as well. Yeah, I mean... Right? I, I, I said in the beginning of this episode, I think they're setting up Boba Fett way too much to just be in one season. And I don't mean just like, oh, he'll be in Mandalorian. I think he's going to get it another season no matter what at this point. There's there's too much resources put into this show at this point. Um, but that would be so cool, right? Like, I think what you could do, um, like Dominic Jones on the Star Wars Underworld was mentioning this last night on her podcast he was saying something like, oh, yeah, Mando, he might not be the best leader, but he could be maybe kind of reunite the clans, so to speak. He could maybe reunite the clans, and then maybe Boba Fett can be like, hey, I'll lead these people, because he's the one that's actually training to be a leader at this point. So you could have these two working in tandem um, with whatever they do after the events of, of Book of Boba Fett and, and this war against the Pikes and whatnot. Oh, yeah, I 100% could see it going in that direction. Um just because you're going to have to have some type of a resolution for both of the characters because the way they're going with Boba, I mean, Mando, we know Mando, he's like the, the hero right now of like the Mandoverse basically, but Boba, you know, we came into it, into this universe thinking he could be potentially be like a villain or an anti-hero. You know, they're taking him as of right now, anyways, in a full direction of turning him into almost a good guy. So, I think it's going to head in that direction, like you said, where Din won't want to lead, and then Boba 
Bob is basically doing the training right now for uh, for this whole, you know, it's big job, big job interview, basically. Yeah, it's like right now I can see Boba's dealing with the scum and villainy as we see him, but he's going to realize that there's a, a greater calling, and that is to his actual legacy. Um, not just the yep. legacy of his father, Django, but the legacy of that's uh, even greater than Django, which is, you know, coming from the, the Mandalorian clans, and he's going to really learn to respect his people. I feel like Boba Fett's going to just have a change of heart. So this could, even though we're looking at this episode now as like, how does this have anything to do with Boba Fett? I think you can pull out some certain themes and some certain ideas out of this this episode and actually apply it to what Boba Fett is going through right now. I think a lot of us just aren't seeing it, but if you look closely, there are some rhymes and different patterns that you can actually pull out of this episode. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I think um I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, just getting caught up in the moment of us, like, not having as much action, and then this one being, like, boom, 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 like, all this action happening. And I think that's glossed over a lot of the potential story beats that are there that we've been discussing for all these characters. And I think it will pay off, like you said, eventually it'll connect back, and it'll be like, people will be like, oh, I see how it's connecting now. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's it's hard to it's so hard to jump on things and like judge them when we haven't seen what the final two episodes are going to be. Like, like we can be completely wrong on these predictions. We can be completely right. We could be somewhere in the middle or somewhere even further down the road. Like, like, uh, it just, it just comes down to what the final two episodes hold and how like the season ends off with the characters where they're heading and how I'm interested to see how like, um, potentially, uh, screen dominant Mando is in the final two episodes mm -hmm. compared to Boba. That's also going to be another key factor in the entire equation as well. But I think, you know, it'll, it, it, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how they balance those characters in the final two episodes. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we move on to the next segment of the episode, I feel like what could happen real quick is that Mando, he says he's going to go see his little friend. We're not going to be able to see that. I think we're going to see him come back in the final episode um, just with himself or maybe actually with um, a couple new bounty hunters or something like that that he'll, he'll team up with. Maybe some of them will know and some of them we won't. He'll like, bring a couple people with him, but it won't be Grogu because I feel like they, again, they, they, they just brought him out of the show. They, uh, Man of Season 2, I don't think they're going to bring him back that quickly. I can't see that happening. Hey, I mean, you never know. They could, they could swing for the fences and like I was saying to one of my buddies, or saying to my buddy, we there's a chance we don't see Mando whatsoever in this episode six, and then in the seventh episode, have, you know, it's have your stereotypical like cavalry coming in to save the day type thing. There's I think there's a chance Mando, you know, there's there's a chance a ballpark chance out there that um, Mando shows up with like Grogu and Luke potentially. Like I feel like there's a potential for these type of cameos because of um heck even just real world like Tamara Morrison saying you know saying the stuff he said about the final episode um it makes you think a, a, some type of a character is going to be showing up a lot of people a lot of people are presuming it's Han Solo but I think there's a chance that could be like just misdirecting for potentially Grogu or Luke as well for the final episode mm -hmm. so like I think we're going to get some type of a big cameo like that. I just can't put my finger on exactly who it's going to be just yet. 
Yeah, um, but they are putting a lot more emphasis on Grogu than I would expect because we got that new bit of whatever he has that that Mando has for him. It yeah. to me looked just like chainmail, and I've actually been watching some stuff based on that because I've been playing Age of Empires four on PC, which has like documentary like little things after we beat each level in the campaigns. And one of them was like the eleventh uh, or twelfth century uh, chainmail and whatnot, and and it looked exactly like what we've seen a glimpse of. So all I'm sitting here is imagining Grogu as like the little squire of the silver knight of Mandalorian just like at his side. And he's got like the chain mail, like over his head and like a little bit over his chest and stuff like that. So that'll be cool. I mean, yeah, that'll be really cool. And I think there's also a potential too. Um, maybe after seeing Luke wield his lightsaber, maybe Mando contacts Luke about like wielding a sword. I think there's a chance for that as well. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that can be a really interesting sequence as well. Also, I'm not sure about you and even the chat, like anybody in the chat, let's let's hear your opinion as well. Um, so when it comes to Mando, I have a sneaking sus suspicion, like all of this like legends talk from the armor, um, from like Bo-Katan, from everybody in general, like I feel like we're heading in a direction where Mando's going to be force sensitive way down the line, whether it be the you know, end of Mando season three or something. Like, I feel like he's going to be a little bit force sensitive to like reunite the Mandalorians and Jedi, like again. Oh, the Mandalorians and the Jedi. Yeah. Like, wow. I think he's going to be, I, I think, I think that's what it's honestly heading to because we've had, we had so much talk of like the conflict between the Jedi and the Mandalorians. I think there's a chance we get, um, just a quickly spitball ideas. Like, I think there's a chance Mando does his whole thing, saves Mandalore, all that sort of stuff, and we find out he's force sensitive, and that's kind of, you know, bring peace between the Mandalorians and force sensitive people. I think that is going to be potentially the direction uh, for the character, honestly, like down the that, road. That would be huge because there hasn't been peace between those people, yeah. and like, well, I guess kind of there's been sort of peace because obi-wan had relations with satine and and stuff like yeah. that but i mean we've always heard about the strife and the civil war and everything like that even back in the old legends universe but that would be something profound and i feel like that could be something that's even greater than the sum of its parts and you would really see that the emphasis of what this show actually is about at its core like you look like years later like what was the point of the mandalorian series and you would have like three or four ideas and be like well, one of the ideas of the show was to slowly build up this alliance between the Jedi and the Mandalorians that has been broken and splintered for literally decades, if not centuries. That could be something cool. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thinking the direction they're going to be heading at some point. It's just we're we're years out from that, though. Yeah. Um, moving on before. Uh, well, before we get to the tattooing. We got to talk about the flashback at least a little bit because we got to yep. see Sundari and Mandalore. I mean, again, this episode just was full of surprises for me where I just kind of gasped and kind of let out a, a muffled little yell because it was really early in the morning as I was watching this thing. But it's like, wow. And just the imagery of it all with all those tie bombers. Like I, to see that many tie bombers in the sky was just so threatening. And to see how they were basically nuking a planet for the most part. I've never seen like mushroom cloud esque explosions to that degree in Star Wars. Like that was absolutely brutal with the Mandalorian helmets and just 
holy crap and, it, and i like the small details of like yeah of course there wouldn't be any like human like imperial soldiers on that planet because it's all gas at that point so they have like the droids the probe droids and all the the kx security droid enforcer droids and all those things what'd you what'd you think about that scene ben yeah i thought that was really cool seeing the um flashbacks you know because we've normally just talked about that whole um that whole incident we never really have seen it um so that to see more of it because you know as the series goes on I think, honestly, um, the more we see the armor, the more we're going to get flashbacks to Mandalore. Like, she'll be the one telling the story. Like, we'll be getting more, like, little couple minutes flashbacks like we did. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Like you said, we saw the, like, the KSO droids. Um, you know, that was neat. You know, obviously now we know why, uh, like, Boba mentioned Mandalore being glassed over because it was just bombed all to pieces, basically. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, it was just it was just great, like getting to see why, why um like the man, certain people in the galaxy viewed Mandalore as just being wiped out. And and there you go, another another little hint at season three, right? Where they already have the assets for Mandalore, they created for this quick flashback, just a bunch of molten lava, burnt up husk, and everything else. It's like we're gonna go to that planet. He's gonna have to get underneath the crust of the planet and go down below. Yep. So. Yeah, now let, let's move on over to the big Tatooine stuff. And, and the biggest thing that came out of this is Pelomoto's back. And she's got a new <laughs> buddy. Literally, we got a BD droid. Um, this is probably, well, I can basically say this is not going to be BD-1 from Jedi Fallen Order. If it was, why is there no red on, his, on the side? Yes, you could change the color of him in the game, but the canonical color that we see on the toys is still the red stripe. Wasn't there. And I'd be really worried about Cal Kestis if he wasn't there with his BD-1 anyway. so But still, great little addition. Uh, a big Star Wars video game nod there, as well as some pit droids. And the big thing here was an Abu Starfighter. I, unfortunately, was spoiled by a leak um, a week or two yep. ago. I had seen, I don't know where it came from, but I was like, oh, that'll be in Season 3. And as she said there was a ship, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to show the Abu Starfighter. But I actually was a little bit um, not completely sure because I was like, oh, is this the Xanadu's Revenge or something like that? Like, like is that Cad Bane's ship or is that Grievous's type of ship? Because the way that the, the twin engines on each side kind of looked like it was an indent. I was like, it could be anything right now. But it was the N1 Starfighter, a classic Star Wars fighter from 1999's The Phantom Menace. And man, oh man, was that thing a piece of junk. But yeah, what was your reaction about seeing this classic ship? Yeah, I mean, it was great finally seeing it. I mean, I heard I um I heard about this probably like six months ago from somebody I know. Um, so like it, it was great seeing it actually play out on screen. Um, and it just it just brought back good memories. Uh, of course, like to Anakin and just the whole sequence of the battle of um above Naboo and all that. Like I thought that was really great. Um, and yeah, just it was just it was just really cool getting to see. An updated, also an updated version of it, you know, for like our modern graphics and like, you know, just more like realistic look overall for it. Like I thought that was great. And then, you know, when they, when they started working on it, like that part, that part they used was from a New Hope's trash compactor, if you didn't realize yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, I, I thought that was a cool little nod. And I was thinking like, oh, are they not actually going to put the tail on the ship? Because 
there is this like little thing that happens with overall um the phantom menace they were designed the phantom menace the, the royal feed hanger and it didn't account for the actual tail length of the nebu starfighters so when they went to put the models in or rendered it or whatever it's like oh crap like we messed up so what they did was they put holes like in the wall that these ships would mount in with like their tails through the wall in these little holes. <laughs> so I was like, oh, are they making an they're making sort of a nod to that because like it didn't have a tail and then they had to replace it. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. But the fact that this thing went on and on and on was the one negative, one of the negatives I had about this because it was like it kept going on and on and on of, of yep. like little jokes, little jokes here, here and there. It's like I was actually hoping uh, we'd even yeah. see the ship completed because I really do my best not to ever look at the timestamps. Like, I just want to be surprised. But, like, at the same time, I was really curious, like, how much time are we wasting here? Are we even going to see the ship completed by the end of the episode? Because, like, I could just see it now. They're going to leave it off a cliffhanger and we won't even see him flying it. But I was so happy that we finally got there. And it looked like a hot rod. It was really cool. It just had, like, that kind of feel of, like, the original trilogy, like, lived in vibe but on the chassis of a freaking n1 starfighter oh yeah i thought it was great i like you said i thought i was getting nervous it was gonna just cut before it even took took off or you know he was gonna go to take off and it wouldn't fly and, you know they'd have to keep working on it or something um you know the jokes in that whole scene like the whole jawa dating stuff like uh. i just i didn't need that at all um but uh yeah like i uh it was great seeing it actually take off and fly and just it brought back, like I said, so many good memories to like Phantom Menace and like playing with the Naboo Starfighter toys. Like Milton said, you know, he has yeah. one. Um, so that's really cool. And uh, yeah, I just am really, I'm really excited that that's like the ship. Um, so that's a great connection. Um, and I, yeah, it was just great seeing it actually take flight really. Yeah, before we get to that scene, I want to talk about a couple couple things about the ship. I think the ship represents, first of all, that Mando's done bounty hunting. Like, I mean, physically, he can't, like, put people in this tiny-ass little ship, right? I think this kind of yeah. symbolizes, like, okay, this is him, like, moving on from that. He's maybe going to be more of a protector, um, more of hired muscle, like, for Boba Fett. He's got a very fast ship, so this you know kind of puts the foot forward for him saying like okay this is us saying we're going to move past that area of my life another thing is they took out the droid socket put in a little passenger socket i said before <laughs> there's a little foreshadowing for for grogu appearance again and this is another one because that thing is conspicuously just the right size for a little yoda like alien yeah that's that's exactly what i was thinking i was like oh they did that because we're gonna have grogu and Mando flying in. <laughs> but what'd you think about this cool Beggar's Canyon scene, man? I mean, going through the same exact areas, they, they still didn't repair the damn ramp that Anakin flew off of like 45 years earlier. Like all those little cool things of like, just, wow, this reminded me of kind of like Rogue Squadron video game a little bit. Like you're flying like, X-Wing through like the canyons and stuff like that. Yeah, I thought I thought that whole sequence was great. I loved them, you know, taking us back through the pod race, basically like with a Naboo starfighter at that. Like that's that's crazy. So like it it was really cool, like seeing um seeing the course. Like you said, I noticed the ramp not being fixed as well. Uh, 
I was half interested to see if we get like some random Tuscans appearing or something yeah. like that, you know, like or shooting or shooting at him or something. Yeah, good luck um, trying just to, to shoot like, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I so that was that was um it, it was a really cool sequence. I was I was just I'm just so happy it flew. Like I, I really didn't think we were even gonna see it fly this episode. So the fact that we were seeing it fly through Beggar's Candy and fly through the pod racing track, like I just thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And he was joyriding outside in space or out in space. And this was hilarious. He gets stopped by X-Wings. Like, this is our first, like, traffic stop in Star Wars. If you want to think about it canonically, like, hey, well, what happens if people are up to no good flying their ships around, going too fast, whatever like that. And we actually see that happening where he gets stopped and he, he manages to, you know, the guy, they go through the whole spiel, like, show your identification, show your records. He, he beams it over to him. Oh, do this, do that, and then he's like, "We're gonna take control of your of your vehicle." It's like, "Oh, so that's how they do it." It's like you could take remote control of your own ships, like doing that. Yeah, I thought that I thought that was pretty cool that they like like you said, we finally got an idea of what a traffic stop in Star Wars would be like. Like that's a cool little just nod to it all. Um, also, if you didn't know, one of the pilots um, that were there was actually the guy that played Luke in Mando season two. Oh, that's who um, that was. Yep. Yep. That's who it was. Yeah. He, that was the, that was the body double that played young Luke, um, oh, uh, for it. Dude. Yep. I was trying to wonder who that fun was little, because you know, they always, try right to, they always try to throw in like an extra, a, a well-known actor or somebody in a, yep. in a small part like that. Yep. He, that was the guy that played Luke, um, for the finale. So that, that was a cool little nod. And the other guy, um, I just know him from Kim's convenience. Like it's great always seeing him around. Carson um, Trevor. Let's let's talk about yep. Carson Trevor here, because this is a yep, big deal. I, I, I love seeing him. Th th this guy's a big deal because it, we've seen him a lot in season two. He is the one Republic official that is actually taking something seriously because we know how the New Republic is like closer to the events of the Force Awakens. Like that's what they got them de decimated by the, the First Order. They're so lack uh, laxy daisy about everything. They're just like. Yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. We're just going to try to have peace and not really enforce a, a military as much or anything like that. And then they get destroyed because of all that kind of like nonchalant attitude. So I like this character of Carson Teva because he is essentially like the, the, the Nick Fury of the Star Wars Mandalorian verse. Because he's going to be that character that I feel like is going to have the main story thread of the Empire's back. There's something going on in the outer room. What's going on? And he's going to be that that piece that fits all those those characters together. I feel like he that's his role in a lot of this. I feel like if they do some version of the New Republic or Rangers of the New Republic, if that'll ever happen again, like he should definitely be like one of the lead characters in that because I feel like he's got so much going for for all of that. Um, but he he again he ties everything together. Book of Boba Fett is still going to somehow line up to, to lead to Thrawn, I feel like, somehow, eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's where it's going to be heading. Like you said, the the um, Nick Fury example is a really good one. I think um, Carson Trevor is for sure going to be that, that guy. Uh, I think he'll be in the Rangers. He'll be in Mando. He'll be in, obviously, he's in Boba. Um, he'll, I... I feel like he could potentially pop up at Ahsoka even. Like if Ahsoka oh, runs yeah. into some Republic, 
I, I think I think he's for sure going to be in it because you know Ahsoka's presumably going to be out in the outer rim, and that's where Carson Trev is at. So I think uh, I think we're going to see plenty of him, and I think you, you just gave me a really good idea, actually. So I think he's going to be the guy. He might just be our guy that informs and gives the whole grand scope of things like. This is the threat. This is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Like he might be the guy introducing him to our heroes. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make a make a lot of sense. He's the guy that's the investigator. Yep. He's going around, and he just happens to be at all these different places that that Mando is. I like how he's like, "Hey, you sound familiar." It's like, all right, he just flies off. It's like, yeah, hey, you want to do that paperwork? Yeah, you don't want to do that paperwork. Let's just like do our own thing because the New Republic is just going to be. The New Republic is just a bunch of bureaucrats. They're just not really doing the right thing. They're not. They're not really paying attention in the places they should be because they're oblivious and they're just like, "Hey, we defeated the Empire." They want to be oblivious to ever think that there's going to be another threat. They want to just have that peace and just, yeah, whatever. It's just some pirates. No big deal. Yeah, we'll look the other way. We're gonna be worried about you know getting a core and stuff together and the outer rim. They've always been that way. Don't worry about them. Yep. Oh yeah, that's exactly how they're you know they're framing the the new republic in such a way. Um, it's going to be interesting too to see what Luke's perspective is on this when we do eventually connect more with him, just to see how he is, to see how even if we get Han at some point in this universe, whether it be this show or Mando or whatever, like it's going to be interesting to see their perspectives. And then of course we're all just guessing. We're I mean I think we all pretty much are mailing in that Crimson Dawn is coming. So even Crimson Dawn's viewpoint of like, do they really view the New Republic as a threat or do they view something else like Thrawn as a threat potentially? Oh man, heck yeah, heck yeah. So getting down to the planet towards the end of the episode, that's when Fennec Shan shows up and we get that. I love this this little dialogue about how friendly uh, Mando is, how, how friendly Din and, and Fennec is. Like they've been through hell together. Like they stormed that light cruiser with, Moff Gideon, he's arrested. They did a great thing for for the entire galaxy. So you know he doesn't even want to get charged. He doesn't even want to get paid by Boba. He's like, yeah, I'll do it because he's basically my friend, my buddy. He helped he helped me a lot. I owe him nothing. You know he owes me nothing basically. So I like that. But oh, I gotta go see my little friend. Um, and that's that's really where 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 the episode kind of ends. Uh, let's just kind of open up the discussion after after talking about this about. I think you had a really interesting idea. We talked offline um, about all this, about how like Boba Fett w w with this episode, this kind of maybe makes Boba kind of a more of a main character going forward or something like that. I, can you explain more of that theory again? Yeah. Like it could potentially, um, potentially put Boba back more in the spotlight just because, you know, uh, this episode, you know, sure, it was mainly Mando. But maybe for the final couple episodes, it'll make Boba more into uh, the main character because Mando may be, get, be getting reverted back to more of, like, a side character for these remaining few episodes. And then just overall, like, Boba's, like, legacy and, like, impact on the show, I feel like, hasn't been, like, fully... We haven't seen the grand scale of it, I guess I would say, you know? So, like... 
we haven't had that like big pop like whoa like that's why boba fett's doing it. like sure he's wanting to be a crime lord and all this stuff but you know we haven't had the big grand thing yet and i think it's all leading up to that i mean we also have the whole um the whole thing with mando like you know the title of this was literally return of the mandalorian so like mm-hmm. Den's back in the picture now like he's potentially going to be in the remaining two episodes and of course uh you know now that we've talked more and more about it i think there's potentially going to be a scene it, it'll be like our um kind of like rise of skywalker scene where lando comes in to save the day mm-hmm. i think we're, we might get something like that and it'll be din flying in and grogu you know they'll you know, Din will say something and, you know, it'll cut and it'll show, it'll show a close-up of Grogu, like, going, woo, like, oh you know. Um, I think, I think that's where it's headed. Like, I really do. Um, but I do think we're going to get some type of, like, a heroic moment to put Boba more back into the spotlight. More potentially, because he's going to have to be planting his flag into the universe. Or he's basically just going to still continue to be another side character. Yeah. Um, so I think it's heading in that direction where he's going to have to have that big character moment. I, I think we're, I really think we're going to get it. Yeah. Because I mean, let's face it. Like he's just talking about ruling one little city, like Maz Espa, right? Like at, at a bigger level. Yeah, sure. Tatooine is a very important place. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, even though Lucas said, you know, it, it, it's the planet farthest from that you'll ever find action or anything like that. And and yet we're getting so many stories, right? It was completely neglected in the sequel trilogy, but with all this uh, expanded material, we're really diving deep into Tatooine. Um, so this is all like a little, like a little minor type of thing, like him getting Mazespa, but that'll be a good training mission for him to kind of like, okay, now I'm going to expand. Let, rather than take a city, let's take a, an entire system. Or a sector of space, you know what I mean? To consolidate power. So, but as far as what we can expect from Mando going forward, these last two episodes, I I do believe he's not going to show up in this next episode. We're going to get all that story about Boba Fett. That last episode, Mando's going to show up. And going from there, it's going to be interesting to see where where, uh, Boba shows up in Mando Season 3. How soon after will we get a confirmation of a Boba Fett season two? And how is that going inter- to interplay between Ahsoka coming out and maybe even eventually um, some other spinoff series? Yeah, I think I think there's definitely um, I agree with you. I don't think we're probably going to get Mando in this episode whatsoever coming up. I think he, he will be in the finale because. Uh, that, that's another thing, too, if he's not in the finale or not in the next episode, like if he's not in the remainder two episodes, that means this episode was a throwaway episode we just watched. Um, so like, I think, I think he's for sure going to be in it. And we're going to, I think by the end of the finale, we're going to get the grand scale plan, the grand scale threat, potentially. Um, who knows? We might get another post credit scene again. I think, I think they might start doing that with these shows um, for the finale. And who knows, maybe we get maybe we get another Grand Admiral Thrawn reference to find out what the big threat is in the galaxy. Like maybe maybe um maybe Din talks to Boba about it, or or maybe we get an incoming threat of the Crimson Dawn, or like someone references Thrawn or something like that, just because 
you know, another thing that I was thinking about too, I was watching Mando season two last week and it really got me thinking when Ahsoka's fighting that girl, the, the mm-hmm. Thrawn agent, um, when she's fighting her, it makes it seem like she's working for Thrawn currently. Like Thrawn is not with Ezra. Like it makes it seem like Thrawn is, is out and he's basically, you know, he's working, he's basically working in with, with the Imperial remnant or whatever um, sector of the empire he's with. So there's potential for more Thrawn references coming up. I think Um, maybe we get more, like I said, more of a wide scoping grand scale of things. Like maybe, Den drops a reference. Maybe one of these potential like enemies, like maybe one of the pikes drop a reference to him or something like that. Like, I think we're going to get, get it connecting because as of right now, um, this show's not really connecting with the grand scheme, like empire versus rebellion type deal. We got in Mando. Yeah. And I think that's what, what the purpose of this Mando episode was. Right. Um, He's gonna Manta's gonna show up. There's gonna be a connection with whatever's happening with Boba Fett's story to the overall story of the galaxy. Whatever criminal syndicate is really behind the pikes is gonna have a connection to the Empire and be in their pocket with Thrawn or something like that. Because um, maybe Thrawn is using um, whatever this crime syndicate is to kind of soften up the the stabilization of the New Republic before he sends in his actual main force. You know what I mean? So there might be something like that going on. Uh, and and doing so, we we had this entire Mandalorian episode. Could we have done without this episode in in the face of the Book of Boba Fett itself? Yes, they could have literally just had Mando showing up in an Abu fighter, and we would have been like, oh, that would have been an awesome story for for us to get, right? But we wouldn't necessarily maybe need it to understand. Yeah, he gave a call out, and he responded, and he's here. But they wanted to go through that whole aspect of showing. Mando, how he got to that point, showing how he got all that information um, and, and where he is now. So we get a little bit more out of that. So I like it. I like how we got that little little side adventure. We'll go into our final thoughts and score out of 10 before we move on here. Um, so I'll go into mine now. I'm just saying, echo what I said at the beginning. Um, great character development for Mando. Really seeing the storyline paying off from uh, season two. Seeing stuff from season one even paying off with the armor. Seeing that Darksaber, the way it's explained for casual viewers, but also for the hardcore fans that watch Rebels and Clone Wars fitting in perfectly with that storyline. But the pacing with the walking and the ship montage, those detracted from my experience as well as maybe offshooting any sort of excitement I had about Boba Fett. It kind of like basically simmered down on my excitement. So I got to take some points off that. So I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. Yeah, that's that's definitely a fair rating. For me, it's my favorite episode of the series so far. Um, I would have to give it a nine out of ten, but I I could easily knock it down to eight or eight, either an eight or nine. Like I'm in that range going back and forth because the episode was really good overall. The action was good. You know, seeing Mando back, there's just something about Mando we're all loving with him, and I think it's just also like the the connection to Grogu, we know we know when you see Mando, we're eventually going to get Grogu. So I think that's kind of like baked in, you know, to us liking Mando more. Um, but uh, for me, the problems with the episode lie in some of the pacing. I, for one, I know a lot of people enjoyed it. I was kind of, 
it got kind of annoying. Like I, some of the real world stuff was a little much for me. Like I didn't mind the traffic stop. That was fine. But seeing like Star Wars version of TSA was kind of, huh. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just kind of rolled my eyes at it. Like, okay, where are we going here? And then, you know, they teased us by the dark saber being in his belongings and then it still was in there. So I was like, okay, so we just took like three minutes out of this episode for not even the, you know, the dark saber didn't even get swiped or anything. So I was just like, kind of like, okay. And then, uh, they really, they really hung on the, the Jawa dating jokes with, um, Amy Sanderas. Um, I, I, I was just like, okay, let's, let's, let's get it moving here. And I thought, I'm not sure about you, but you'll have to like go back and check it out, um, Chris, if you don't remember this part. But I think they were really like trying to like talk to us as the audience, like to show the cameo. Because before they go into the Naboo Starfighter, like Amy Sanderis is like, look what we have here. Like, you know, she's like talking to us. And and I'm like, I don't know, it just felt like it was breaking the fourth wall almost for me. And I even pointed that out to my buddy. I was like, man, it felt like she was just talking to us, huh. not Mando. Um, so, like, I don't know. It just felt kind of weird on some of those scenes. So that's why, for me, it's like an 8 or 9 out of 10. Somewhere in there, just kind of kind of goes back and forth. But to me, it's the best episode overall of the series just because um, the action. the They did do good character development with Mando. And then just meeting up with Fennec Shan. I'm glad they met up with Fennec at the end just because if mm. this would have been a straight-up standalone episode, yeah. I would have not been happy about that yeah um so i'm glad they met with finnick i i the more and more i see finnick shan on screen i i like her more and more on this show and uh yeah and then of course the reference then you know hey let me go see a little friend of course it's going to be grogu so i think we're going to be getting him within the next two episodes and i think it's going to probably break the internet again <laughs> and will that bring everybody back to loving this show you know, that's yeah, well, that, that, that's that's the that's the funny part about it is like a lot of people that I saw critiquing the show now were like, Book of Boba Fett's amazing now, yeah. blah 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 blah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see once we go back to this next week, potentially Mando not being in it, seeing what people have to say, honestly, because I think they'll I think they'll be able to do a good job with it if Boba if it's action packed. Or if they, um, since mm -hmm. Bologna, that, that's another thing to keep in mind going into this next week for even our, our listeners too. Um, Filoni's directing this next episode. So there's potential for major cameos in this, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a potential. I don't know why we haven't gotten Bosk yet. I feel like yeah. Bosk has to be coming. Like, like I feel like Bosk has to be coming. There's a potential for Cad Bane. Um, but then again, there's a potential with Dave Filoni directing, what if they do just wow us all and the episode opens up with Mando flying down to whatever planet Luke and Grogu are on and we oh get Luke gosh. and Grogu and it just blows away everybody. Like that would, with Filoni directing, like it, it literally could be either big cameos like Bounty Hunters or it could just be straight up Luke and Grogu action. Yeah, I mean, could there be more Force stuff in this? I don't know. I don't know. I'm definitely thinking about a Cad Bane and a Bosk appearance because Dave has worked with both those characters many times before um but but can't wait for that so what are your guys thoughts on the book of boba fett chapter five return of the mandalorian let us know in the comment section down below or you can always tweet us as well at hashtag outer rim transmission 
So getting into our releases for this week, very small release week. We had just a single comic out this week for publishing. That was Trail of Shadows issue number four, where we have Emmerich, we have Sion, and they are investigating the leveler um, weapon of the Nile. And that leads them to a very much in distressed Starlight Beacon by the end of the issue. It's on fire. Um, so yes, that's how that leaves off. The next week we have like four comics. It's really funny because there's been this like cat and mouse game with the comics lately where it's like, okay, we get one issue this week. Then we get four issues the next week. Then we get one issue. Then we get three issues. It's like, can we just spread the love like two issues a week? That would be nice. But I'm looking forward to it because next week we actually have Crimson Rain issue number two. Last time they referenced Prince Zizor and that was like two months ago. So... Huh. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, it felt like it's been months ago since you talked about that. Um, yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about that the other day. It's very weird for a Star Wars comic to skip, that's especially a miniseries, to skip a month. Very weird, very conspicuous that they happen to skip a month of the month that the book of Boba Fett was coming out. I, I yep. might be, you know, conspiracy theorist right here. But the, the issue will be out the same day as Book of Boba Fett Season 1, Episode 6. Could there be a big reveal in this comic? Maybe they will actually will show Prince Zizor, and maybe Prince Zizor will be in Book of Boba Fett at midnight. I don't know, but, hey, I feel like there's a little bit of a coincidence there for some reason. I, I think there's definitely a chance. I mean, remember, Chris, we talked about it way before the show even started we were like hey all these comics are like weirdly lining up with the book of boba fett's release like what's up with this so um yeah it's gonna be interesting to see because why is it releasing like the same day is there a potential like you said for major cameos whether rezizor or um kira or crimson dawn like i think for sure I feel like Crimson Dawn has to be coming in this series. Like, doesn't it? Like, I mean, for me, yeah. I think it does. And then um, also just to throw out there is like, just a, like a, a selfish thing as like a Star Wars fan. Um, you know, I, this isn't like comic related, but but on Book of Boba, if we do go to Crimson Dawn or if we have Crimson Dawn in this, man, if we get Kira talking about like her training and stuff, if we get a flashback to Darth Maul, that would be insane. <gasps> Oh, man. that would be insane. Yeah, because we see that just, just to throw it out there. We <laughs> see it. There's a panel in one of the comics. Well, Crimson Rain number one has it. They go, she goes yep. over all the, the legacy of Darth Maul and how Darth Maul was uh, basically gathering objects of the Sith because he wanted to overthrow Emperor Palpatine because remember Palpatine took him out, killed Savage Press and then left him for dead. Um, there and then he reunited his he he got out of there and whatever whatever but it's a lot of potential a lot of potential uh what has a lot of potential as well is the star wars gaming sphere we have a big announcement coming at us on starwars.com we have star wars gamers get ready for new galaxy and genre spanning adventures electronic arts and lucasfilm games announced today that they will join forces once again for three new star wars titles the next title in the star wars jedi franchise a strategy game and a first person shooter all currently in development from respawn entertainment so this is huge this is huge and for those of you that are wondering how many games are in development quite a few if you might ask so we have star wars hunters which was right around the corner we have lego star wars the the galaxy the, the skywalker saga which we had news about last week so two weeks in a row we get star wars news 
We also have what's being worked on over there at Ubisoft. They have a big open world Star Wars game there. Then we also have what is happening over with, um, what is it, the the um, Eclipse game, right? The Eclipse game. Yep, Star Wars uh, Eclipse. We have the KOTOR remake, which I'm very excited about. And now we have a strategy game, a first-person shooter game, and whatever's next for St- Star Wars Jedi franchise. So that's eight total games in development. Man, oh, man. That is something to think about. And when I, when I put all those numbers together... Um, I was like, wow, this feels like the old LucasArts days. It really does. Like, we have a game for everybody. We have your game. If you're like a big Fortnite player, likes the free-to-play multiplayer, Star Wars Hunters might be your game. You know, if you want that strategy game like Empire at War or XCOM, we're not even sure what it will be, then then they have a game over there for it. If you want a Starfighter flying game, we already have that, Star Wars Squadrons. If you want like a first-person shooter, uh, we got that being made. You know, it's like literally. You want the RPG? Go play Kotor. You want the big uh galaxy spanning saga thing? Go play Star Wars Eclipse. Like they have, literally. You want the family game? Go play a Star Wars Lego game. They have every single genre pretty much on tap right now for Star Wars games. It's just hopefully, hopefully, hopefully none of these things get canceled and we can all enjoy them someday. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, for me, this gave us gave me flashbacks to like what we've discussed before on here. This. Is- it's like yes this is what we need we need a variety of games across a wide variety of platforms and just give us all kinds of stuff just throw games out there like sure obviously don't make bad games but make good solid games like they don't have to be like game of the year type games make them good solid stories good gameplay and fans will be happy with it like you know you don't need to make the greatest game ever you just need to make a good game and and I think that's what um, we're heading in. A, I, I really think that's where we're heading in a direction toward. Like, we have already had that with the Jedi Fallen Order franchise. Um, the Lego game. I think the Lego game is going to knock it out of the park, actually. Um, and then the open world game, I think, is going to be a big highlight whenever we do get that game. I think a lot of people are going to be really excited for that. Just to finally get out there and explore the Star Wars galaxy. And then the first-person shooter game... I mean, I'm not sure about you, but are we just expecting that to be Battlefront 3, I'm guessing? No, no, no. And that's a great thing because that's actually what I wanted to bring up here is the fact that they have this game not being made by DICE. And remember, yeah, it has multiple studios. DICE was working on Battlefront 1, Battlefront 2. And while we see what happened with Battlefront 2, I mean, they they really pulled the game together at the end and, and made it great. But it was far too late because the player base was just... They did not want anything to do with any game called Battlefront ever again at that point um, because they were so scarred by the microtransactions. So then EA turned to Respawn and was like, hey, make this action adventure game. I know it's not in your wheelhouse, but uh, or or they might have mentioned that they'll make it, whatever. And it did so overwhelmingly well for the company. It turned around EA's outlook on the game industry as a whole, right? Because at that point in time, there wasn't a lot of single player action adventure games being made, especially not by by EA. They they wanted to monetize everything in free-to-play or in just big games that you'd buy DLC for. So Respawn really kind of turned things around for EA. So so EA has a lot to thank that studio for because Respawn can do no wrong. These guys were uh, veteran developers on the old Call of Duty Modern Warfare games, which are arguably some of the better games 
definitely better than the ones in the recent series, even though I haven't played them. I could just hear that from a lot of people telling me. Um, but then they went on to make Titanfall 1, Titanfall 2. Apex Legends is one of the biggest games right now, and it's still yep. going on for years now. And it just makes perfect sense that EA is going to play with a safe bet and just be like, hey, you guys can do no wrong. Let's give you the franchise. The interesting thing about this Battlefront game is one of the producers on it actually worked on the original Battlefront from the early 2000s. So I could see why you're making a connection that, oh, is this Battlefront 3? But I just yep. don't believe that EA at this point in time would want to sacrifice like using that title again to maybe like just hurt their sales out of the gate. And another thing about that is I would think if they were going to announce a first-person game, they would say, oh, we have a multiplayer first-person shooter in the works. The fact that they didn't say like multiplayer means that they're really like being very careful about that stuff now it might have multiplayer modes but like they're gonna probably make this more like a um a wolfenstein game or more like a doom game where the primary focus is is that pve that single player and then maybe they'll add like a gimmicky mode or like a, a simple deathmatch mode but it's not going to be where most of the resources are put into multiplayer i can i could speculate that probably right now just from you know, we don't have really any information to go on, but just that the way it was announced uh, leads me to believe. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, that's a, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. You know, from EA's perspective, like, hey, we probably shouldn't do a Battlefront game just yet. Um, so maybe this first person thing, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be set like in the Mando Mandoverse mm. timeline. Like maybe it'll be something like that. You know, because I feel like a lot of these things are going to play off. You know, the Mandalorian, it's so popular right now. I mean, look, we're buzzing about Mando popping up as a cameo in Book of Boba. So, like, I think they're going to capitalize off the Mandalorian, off the Bounty Hunter vibe, potentially. Because a first-person game, you can't really do, like, a Jedi. I mean, I, mean, I guess you could, but it'd be hard, I think. So, um, it's going to be yeah, interesting yeah. to see. But I, I think it'll be in the Mandoverse. Like, I really do. It if I had to speculate or just guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's all different places, right? Your three main eras we're working with are the prequels, original trilogy, or the sequels, all of which have big, um, big wars, big battles that have involved vehicles and involve lots of soldiers. So it's going to be involved there. I mean, I don't think you would have a first-person shooter in the High Republic. It's <laughs> there's more Jedi than anything else in that era. <laughs> Not as many soldiers, right? So um, there's a lot of things you could speculate about when it comes to. What could a new first-person shooter do for Star Wars? What would make it unique for Star Wars? And, I mean, my I immediately go to, like, some kind of Republic Commando or Imperial Commando. Say maybe. There originally was some talk way back when about some kind of Imperial Commando game. Now, yes, we kind of had a similar thing with the Star Wars Battlefront 2 campaign with Inferno Squad, which is probably the closest we've ever come to sort of, like, an Imperial Squad. But we all know that didn't last long. There was like two or three missions in and you go to the Rebels. Um, so so we kind of gotten that before. But maybe, hey, maybe it could be a smuggler storyline. Maybe we could see like a first person smuggler storyline, a.k.a. to one of my favorite games of all time, Shadows of the Empire. I mean, you played a lot of that game first person as Dash Rendar, right? So that could be something right there. Maybe, like you said, is going to tie in with the bounty hunters. Maybe you're a bounty hunter that, that integrates himself in the Mandoverse and that post-Return of the Jedi era, fighting against Crimson Dawn agents, fighting against Imperial Remnant agents, and all the likes there. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a possibility for that. Hey, they could go and 
hey, they could go and do that after, who knows, forget all these characters we speculated on. What if Dash Rendar's just the finale for Book of Boba? Boom. Uh, um, that would make me just freak out like a freaking nutcase. Oh, yeah, that would... Yeah, let's just say if they, if they do that, um, my house is probably going to get woken up at four in the morning. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I think there's a good potential for that possibly, like a Shadows of the Empire adaptation. Um, like if you know, like you said, it could be anything. Honestly, though, I I would love to see Republic Commando. Like I would love for it literally just to be titled Republic Commando, subtitle Order sixty six. Like I think that would be great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could have, uh, like, Scrambled Goose in a chat is saying, a Bad Batch Republic Commando game. Yes! And yep. I'm like, yeah, yep. that's an easy-to-go-to one, right? That that whole squad-based mechanics. Now, I just love the thoughts of me just sitting here and thinking about a Respawn Star Wars game because, holy crap, if you've never played how a Respawn shooter, first-person shooter works, they are so fluid and fast and just the, the the controls of their shooter games feel so snappy and tight it's just one of the better shooters you'll ever play you just play apex legends play titanfall just that movement the the, the way you traverse your environments all the sliding and the jumping and the double jumps and the wall running in first person just feels so natural I gotta say, like the the whoever has a lot of momentum and, and traversal skills in Star Wars, probably a, a scoundrel. Maybe hell, maybe you'll be the freaking Mandalorian or something. You'll have a jetpack flying around. Who knows? Yeah. I mean that's definitely a possibility. You could, hey, you know, capitalize on Grogu. Have have Mando, you and Grogu go on some type of a bunch of different adventures or something, you know, and go along those lines, like battling in the outer rim and you know, something along, something like that could happen. Also, just to throw out there, um, you know, we're talking a lot about this first-person game. I think there's a potential for the strategy game. If anyone's ever played Halo Wars, maybe it could be like something like Halo Wars, where you know you're you're like directing your your fleets and stuff potentially. Yeah. Have you ever played the Empire at War games? Yep. Yep. That's Those... that's what I was also thinking of as well. Those were so awesome because you could not only control your forces on the ground, but you could actually control your entire fleets above. And they, I remember you could like coordinate like attacks like with your ground troops, like uh, orbiting like the troops. Like, and you could have the Death Star, and it would take like twenty something turns for the Death Star to like move over, but it would completely decimate a planet. And I remember like the beginning of the game, you were controlling like Bail Organa like right after Order sixty six, and you were rounding up like the first generation of the rebels and. I could see them like not not obviously doing a remaster because you have bit um, bit reactors, a brand new studio uh, made from the ground up, basically to make this game. They have veterans from the XCOM series as well as the Civilization series, which both those series are regarded as some of the best strategy games on the planet. And 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 I have to tell you guys about you know the the way they said strategy games means a lot there, there's a lot of different things that fall under the quarter category of strategy games right you could have games like fire emblem which are like tile based like turn-based strategy games you could have games like XCOM, which is like a squad based game um where you like you know have three to four dudes you walk behind cover and you take turns shooting guys over cover and, and flanking or you could have like we were just explaining empire war where it's like you have a commander and you're just like having units of like like hundreds of people running around vehicles and stuff like so it's a very nebulous turn 
uh, a term with with just the overall strategy game. But I would think that a safe bet would be doing some version of like Empire War. And now they have even more errors. They could do it for freaking every era of Star Wars uh, prequels, original trilogy, and have the sequel trilogy, right? Like right now I'm playing through Age of Empires 4 and it has sparked my love for the real-time strategy genre. And what I love about this game that I'm playing is they have campaigns. They have campaigns of the early English, of the French, of the early Russians, and of the Mongolians with Genghis Khan. And they could do something very similar. It's like, okay, play through a campaign of the prequels, play through a campaign of the original trilogy, and play through a campaign of the sequel trilogy. And that would be a really cool way of just like getting a, a, like the whole wide version of Star Wars in that kind of, uh, of lens right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's, and there's plenty of like iconic battles you can think of across that entire spectrum. Like, you know, Phantom Menace, we have the, the battle in space plus the battle on the ground, you know, Attack of the Clones. We have the whole Clone Wars um, beginning, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Obviously, there's battles everywhere. A New Hope, you have all kinds of stuff. Episode 5, like, you can go on and on. There's so many potential um, battlegrounds or battlefronts. Um, you know, you could be fighting at, and I think, I think that game, the strategy game, it's going to be interesting to see, but like you said, the term strategy could be used a variety of different ways, and it just matters what they view that word as. Yeah, and then of course, we got the big elephant in the room, and that is Jedi, um, I can't even say Jedi Fallen Order, because they've, they've told us, okay, it is now the Star Wars Jedi series, right? And that term is also very nebulous as well, right? Like, when I think of Star Wars Jedi, I feel like, hey, you could have a, a game set in the High Republic. You could have a, a game set with, you know, Luke Skywalker's, you know, Academy. You could play a Jedi there. So I don't know if this is going to be... It could still be more of an anthology series. I doubt it. I highly doubt they're going to go anywhere else but continuing Cal's journey. But I still like the idea that, like, they, they aren't just calling this Jedi Fallen Order 2. They're not being lazy with the with the just the numbering system that we always get. It's like, hmm, like J Star Wars Jedi, you know, restore the order. I don't know. Like, that's just a very generic name. But I'm just I'm looking forward to them revealing the actual name of this thing. Oh, yeah. The name's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where Cal ends up leading. I would still love to see him in live action at some point. I mean, it's a long, long shot. But at least, hey, you know, the BD, see the BD droid in Manda are in Book of Boba, um, like that, that, that's a chance. I mean, at least they're they're referencing it a little bit. So, uh, like, I would love to see Cal in live action, like Cameron Monaghan, have him play him. Obviously, that's the guy who who is Cal. Yeah. So, uh, like, I just I, there's such an intrigue to that character, and I think you know, obviously, continuing the games, uh. You know, as long as the games are going, I don't think we'll see him in live action. Yeah, but yeah. whenever, whenever, whenever they wrap the games, like whenever you get to like, I don't know, the third or fourth game, I don't know how many games they end up doing in the series. Like you could just keep going on and on. And maybe after that, I think that's when we'll eventually get his appearance because by then this character will be more and more beloved or more and more known. Like, you know, it'd be more of an organic character that's basically grassroots built up over the years and years of Star Wars gaming, like fans will be wanting it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the most likely place he could show up right now would be the Andor series because that's would be, that would be like the closest to his age. I feel like, cause like Andor is, I believe 15 years after Revenge of the Sith. 
because it's the same era as like Star Wars Rebels, that time period. So Cal Kestis would be like 10 years before that in his story, I feel like, if I got the math right. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for just like, please just like finish his story, the, the, the big parts of his story, because like the last thing I want to see is like, oh yeah, he survived all the way till, you know, Mandalorian. It's like, but we're not done <laughs> the games yet. So it just completely takes me out of like, there's a certain point where like, I don't mind prequels, but when they actually spoil like the actual ending of the character or something, or, or or take away any risk of the character dying or something like that, then I have problems with it. Oh yeah, for sure. Like like that's the that's the big thing. That's why I said I think it'll be years before we ever see him if he is on screen even. I think it'll be years down the road. Um but I think I think we will eventually get it. Possibly. Yeah, but it's just again, it's just so exciting because we're so used to getting a lot of bad video game news. And yes, they're there are a lot of people that are not happy with uh, Star Wars Eclipse for a lot of reasons. The guy that's leading that studio is just not a very nice person, apparently, um, to, according to some reports. So it's not 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 great, and and they're not you know getting a lot of developers on board to make the game, probably because a lot of the the reports that came out about just the the things that are, that are done at the studio in the past and whatever. So. Um, but still, regardless of, of, of that, I think there's just a lot of positive things about all these other games that, you know, a lot of us are going to be able to play over the next couple of years. Now, another thing is interesting. There was a deal with EA about like, hey, that deal was supposed to end next year or something. I guess they got some kind of renewal because, you know, we don't know. These games are not going to be out tomorrow. They just announced them today like or next year. These games are probably not coming out until 2024 at the earliest. Hopefully things become better in the world where... Things become easier if you're doing remote gameplay uh, development or if you're uh, doing some kind of things in person again. Now that COVID is hopefully starting to ramp down by the time that these games come out, it should be a lot easier to work out um, with that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just a great time to be a Star Wars gamer because we're getting back to the point of it's almost like we were before, except about the series. It's like, yeah, the movies are put on the back burner, but the games, the books, the comics and series now are the ones that are really pulling all the weight for Star Wars. And then when those movies finally come back, it's going to be a triumphant moment because it's like, yeah, we've been in Star Wars this whole time and now what we've got brought up on Star Wars is back. You know, the movies are back. You know, 2023, right? I think we're still supposed to be getting a movie. Rogue Squadron, maybe? Still? got off of one of her other projects to continue working on rogue squadron is what it sounds like. Um, that's supposed to s still be coming out in 2020 Christmas of 2023. Um, at, at the moment it's supposed to be anyways, there, there hasn't been an official delay or anything. So yeah, at this moment we're set to be getting another star Wars movie here in December or, well, just, a year from, I think what yeah. they're preparing us for. And if you could wrap your, head around this madness like for this year alone we might be getting three star wars games it was a very disappoint or four actually it was a very very disappointing year last year because there was multiple games that had release dates that got pushed back into this year we had the, the the star wars the old republic legacy of the sith that was supposed to be on december that got pushed till next month then we had star wars hunters i'm not super pumped about that but it's a star wars game i'll, I'll at least play for an hour if that um <laughs> And that got pushed. So if you're looking at the slate for this year, potential Star Wars game releases, the first one will probably be Lego Star Wars coming out in April. Actually, no, because um, if you're a Star Wars Old Republic fan, you'll be playing the new expansion with me next month. And then we'll get the Star Wars Lego game. And then we'll get Hunters. 
And then there's even a possibility that this next Jedi uh, game will be out in time for Christmas this year. So there's four Star Wars games. If they space them out, they can have one like every quarter, and that'll be incredible. And then by the time we get to the following year, I'm expecting uh, at least one of these other games that's been announced already. I think the KOTOR remake too. Uh, a KOTOR remake will be out by fall of 2023. I, I feel like they're going to try to set that up to release with some other Old Republic stuff. Oh, yeah, I think that and I think they're also going to use um, Kodor to like basically be a early hype for uh, the Acolyte as well. Yeah, so that's going to help. Like, I, I think, think I think it's going to kind of like help, you know, brew it up a little more. Yeah, because Acolyte should be out by 2023. So I could see them like like Lucasfilm, like going all in on the past for like a good couple months. We'll get like the new High Republic stories, which are going to be out in. October of 2022, that's going to be even closer to the Old Republic at that point, uh, back like literally almost 400 years in the past. So there's going to be a big push from Lucasfilm to be like, hey, we're done telling stories in the future. Let's tell stories or in the present. Let's tell stories way in the past. So we'll get that. So what I'm trying to say is there's going to be no shortage of Star Wars games going this year forward, barring unless we have another massive pandemic outbreak or something like that, where everybody has to work um, at home and take quarantine and everything like that. I think we're we're going to see ourselves hopefully hitting another Star Wars game in Golden Age. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's where we're heading into. Like, we just have these, what, what eight or nine games right now. And as the months and, you know, year goes on, we're going to hear about more games coming. You know, they're going to be announcing more or we're going to be hearing about more developers or studios getting on board. Like, they're going to just keep adding and adding to it, like, and I feel like by the end of, end of this year, we might get up to potentially 10 games total being talked oh, yeah. about, you know? Oh, yeah, because here's the thing. They are free, as, as Heath Hinton, thanks for joining back in the chat, man. It's nice to see you in the chat, by the way. It is a win to have LucasArts back to take the creative reins from EA. And what he has says there is huge. Because just as you said, Ben, this gives the freedom for any developer, no matter how big, no matter how small, can approach Lucasfilm and say, hey, we have an idea. And Lucasfilm says, oh, what's your idea? Oh, that's pretty good. Okay, we want you to make that game. Like, instead of EA saying, oh, does it have Wookiees? Does it have lightsabers? Oh, it doesn't? Uh, we're not going to make that game. Because that's basically exactly what they did with the Star Wars ragtag game made by um, Annie Hennig and her team. And it got completely shafted because EA just couldn't agree with how they, the story was about scoundrels and smugglers and wasn't about the iconic lightsaber. Um, so we're not going to have like creatives pulling that BS anymore about how they want Star Wars to be. It's like that you're going to get the, the, the Star Wars fans, developers that are like, I've been thinking about this for 10 years. This is my whole plan. And that can be fulfilled more on a frequent basis now with the freedom that Lucasfilm has for licensing out their property to any other developer. And they've been having success with that on the Disney side of things with the Marvel games. I mean, you look at the Spider-Man games uh, that they've been making and different things like that. And it's all because they're not beholden to having just one developer. Like anybody that has a great idea can make those games. Yeah. I mean, look, you have the Spider-Man games, you have like the Avengers games, you have heck the, the Avengers and the different um, Marvel Lego games. Like there's a wide scoping array of, of Marvel related games as well. So, uh, you know, Star Wars, it's good. We're heading in that direction where it's just not EA like denying things. And, uh, 
and that sort of stuff. Like, I think it's, it's definitely heading, heading in a good, good direction. And, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just, it, it's an exciting time to be a star Wars fan, whether it be with the with, I guess not movies currently, but TV, um, and like the different products that are being made, the game, like the gaming, the books, the everything, the comics, like it's such a great time to be a fan of all of this stuff. Like we're getting, I mean, we're going to be getting content consistently every month, like no matter what, you know, it's just content over the entire spectrum of things. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's a great time to be a fan. Oh yeah. And, uh, Heath hitting is hitting a nail on the head and bringing us into our last and final topic here. I want them to make that course on underworld game that has been in development. Hell, um, I hate to break it to you, but that thing is never coming out. At least I, what it seems like we got a really cool, like three minute trailer, um, or not even trailer, just like a development video. Um, if I could pull this up in my notes, I'll give them the exact credit they deserve. Uh, this YouTube channel posted it. It kind of went viral. Uh, this channel's called called The Vault, and yeah, it's uh, it's this video about the thirteen thirteen game that's supposed to come out in twenty twelve. And this video uh, showcases just like some really raw graphics, but also some more defined as we see him. Boba Fett walking through this very populated Coruscant alleyway with the dense fog. You see the characters. You see the neon lights. This game was in development over 10 years ago for it to still like look really good. And I feel like this game would have been so ahead of its time because then you look at the way that the movement is and the traversal is so smooth. Him jumping over the objects, sliding across terrain, just doing like spin moves, jumping over things, leaping grabbing things and you're like looking in the background it's like all the coruscant lights and the speeders and i'm like this is basically tomb raider slash uncharted slash what would eventually be jedi fallen order in some of the circumstances there's even a funny little easter egg where they just happened to put out this this video this week when we had a scene where mando was in like a meat freezer and you see this one moment where, where Boba Fett, it is, this clip is going through like a meat freezer i'm like yeah there's that scene again yeah like i thought that was ironic too seeing that scene as well i was like oh that's funny we just saw that um yeah like i thought it was really cool when you sent us that video in the chat i was like holy smokes i hadn't seen that um you know it just hadn't hadn't came across my timeline until you had sent me that and i was like dang that's that's a really cool video like and for it being almost 10 years old it's it's impressive how well it looks and it also makes you think man with today's like like gaming technology and stuff like how cool would this game be with today's graphics and everything yeah um imagine that on the unreal engine 5 holy crap that'd be incredible but for those of you that don't know the whole story behind this game there was this whole big thing about george lucas and they were making this game to be an original character like this character was originally not supposed to be boba fett which is why we see like this test footage of the game and it's there's no jetpack. It's just the guy like traversing all this environment. And then George Lucas like came into the the room and was like, Hey, make that guy Boba Fett. And it's like developers are just like looking around like, um, our entire game is basically centered around a character that doesn't have a jetpack. Like we have all this awesome technology we created with this cover mechanics and the traversal mechanics and now we basically have to scrap the entire game. So so that could have been one of the reasons. I believe that's one of the reasons why this game never got made. Plus, then there was a the whole Disney sale 
this game was already in development hell. Then Disney sold and then was like, we want to just have you guys stop all the projects you're doing now and let's start everything over. So, but, but the thing is they are actually cherry picking like elements from this game for other things. Like for instance, the clone wars had, had some 13, 13 things we're supposed to get, you know, that, that um, stuff with, I don't know, like the 13, 13 show that got canceled though. But I think they're going to pick, and, and looking at this first glimpse, I was like, oh, is that, that looks like Mando a little bit. With the, the way this guy's walking, the silver helmet, I got some strong Mandalorian vibes. So I feel like there's going to be storylines that connect with Boba's past and Mandalorians. I, I might take like some themes from this show or from the from this game itself. Oh, yeah, I think I think it for sure. The, um, the current shows will, or Book of Boba will take themes from this. Like, that's the cool thing about, like, these Star Wars projects, like the Book of Boba and Mando. You know, they do do throwbacks to video games. I mean, look, we literally just saw it in, in this new episode. Like, they, they do. Order, like, with BD. So, like, just those type of little things, um, it just makes me think we're going to get more connections to, like, things like this, like 1313. Um, I mean, we may even see connections earlier in the year, like, the whole Vespa thing, giving callbacks to George Lucas, like, like, Star Wars has done a really good job, in my opinion lately, of connecting to their other, to their other things, to their other projects and stuff. Um, and, and, you know, they did a really good job at that, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, real quick, just check your mic. You're, you're sounding a little bit raspy there. It sounds electronic. Am I? Yeah, it sounds a little bit like electronic. One um, second. I'll continue as you're figuring that out. But uh, all, all in all, I, it's just really funny to see this footage. Like, this is that legendary game that everybody's always talking about. Just like, hey, I really love that 1313 game to come back, and can they remake it? I believe at one point, um, Amy Hennig's team over there, Visceral Games, they I think Disney offered them the chance to remake the game, and they're like, nah, we have our own ideas, and that's what they want, the Project Ragtag game that got canceled. But... Nonetheless, it's it's pretty cool to see how innovative Lucas Lucas Arts was, you know, back in the day, and and I feel like that game would have been if it came out, it would have still been talked about to this day about how groundbreaking um certain things about the physics and the traversal and and everything about oh. that was. Oh, for sure. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. So I think that game would have been groundbreaking then, and I think, man, it's like. I don't know about you, but every time I see these like unreleased games, I'm like, just, just please make it today and release it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you want to see the game? I, I want that game now. So like, um, like every time, like I see that, I want that game. Um, and then I'm not sure if you or even um, our viewers have seen. So back around that same time, around like the 2010, 11, 12 range, there was actually a leaked footage of Star Wars Battlefront Three, what was proposed back then. And it's like a three-minute little test footage. Um, it's still on YouTube, but I'm pretty sure I'll have to send you the link. But basically, the game for the battle for um, the bat the proposed Battlefront Three, like their test footage, it was literally like you could. It was um, multi-layer, where it showed a guy taking off a, your character on the ground. You know, there was fighting troops on the ground, fighting on the ground. You could battle in the atmosphere of the planet. You could fly up to space. And then you could go inside like the Star Destroyers seamlessly, like not loading maps, like the maps 
were seamless, like able to fly yeah. into space and everything. And that's like another thing from that same time period. And it was right around the time of like the Disney sale when a lot of this stuff basically got scrapped and, you know, they just reorganized their plans. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was something that was so ambitious and games do that now. Like you not maybe to that exact point, but like, for instance, you could go and you could see, um, what's, what's going on with no man's sky. There's this game. It's all about exploration. You could get in your fighter and fly into a planet, get to the atmosphere, land, boom, 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 go back and forth, go back and forth. We even see footage from the new Star Wars Lego game. It looks like you could do some version of that as well. Like you arrive in a solar system, yep. you could attack the Star Destroyers, have a, have a little battle, or you could just go directly down to the planet. I don't know if there's going to be like a loading screen, but it does show like the fighter going through some version of an atmosphere. Whether or not you go all the way to the actual land, I don't know. But, man, oh, man, it's... uh it's really cool to see this old stuff and just again shows you the legacy of of lucas arts but now we have lucasfilm games and i'm i'm having a lot of ambitious thoughts and uh, optimism with you know the the reveal of not one not two but three games that's how um confident lucasfilm games is and lucasfilm in general with like all right we're, we're doubling down these star wars games we've seen how much people love jeff on order i still see people talking about it every day so so they're they're really taking this seriously now and we're gonna say hey we're, we're, we're trying to really appease those fans that have been wanting that kind of that that big push for these games and i can't wait for it oh yeah i can't wait i i can't wait for the um just all of these games really it's gonna it's like i said before it's it's such a great time to be a fan because you're able to choose like you can play lego you can play um the jedi franchise you can play battlefront you can play the strategy game you can play kotor like any of these things you know there's such a wide spectrum and it's and it's a good to me it's a good entry level for any anyone interested in getting into star wars gaming you know you could choose whatever path you're most comfortable in you know if you're into first person shooters go with that if you like the strategy games go with that if you just want a casual game play star wars lego like it's just uh it's a good entry level for any 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 gamer type, really, in my opinion. Okay, so in our chat, we have Heath Hinton talking about how Star Wars Disney Infinity basically was the end to LucasArts. And here I have <laughs> all these Disney Infinity figures that I'm showing him like, yeah, I don't care. I love these stupid things. And, and I even have a Kanan Jarrus one. And... Uh, Ahsoka Tano, right back there. You can't even see because the way the camera is, but like here we go. There goes Finn. I freaking love these things, and they had a gold mine, man. I think what happened with these these toys is they made too many of them, so like they weren't mm -hmm. selling, so they were just like sucking up space on shelves. And like I bought this game when it was already like ten dollars. Like it was. I remember this game was like on the discount shelves for literally like months. And eventually, like, like my own store where I was, like, I still work there, but, like, I just kept watching the price drop until it was, like, basically $5 for, like, the entire game, the starter set figures. I was, like, five bucks? I'll take it. And I was, like, okay, let me run to Target. Let me run to Walmart. I want to get a Boba Fett. I want to get Luke Skywalker. And it was really cool. Collect like, like, Star Wars is made on collecting. Like, that is what really made this thing as big as it is. Like, you get to take home the movie, the movie with you. You know, at that time, there was no, like, DVDs or internet. So you basically had to have action figures relive your adventures from the movies you just watched. So, like, it makes so much sense why Lucasfilm would put so much money 
and Disney would put so much money into Disney Infinity. But I guess they just, I think what's happening is like a lot of the younger kids maybe are not playing with toys as much. I think a lot of kids are, even yep. three-year-olds are playing around with the electronics a heck of a lot more and not caring as much with with, with the physical stuff. I, I feel like the people of our generation will still buy the cool collectible figures, but like young kids, it's like, yeah, let's, let's spend more virtual bucks in Fortnite, you know? Yeah, well, that's 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 exactly how it was. So I have a few cousins on my mom's side of the family. You know, they're like 9, 10, 11-year-old range. And none of them asked for any, like, physical toys for Christmas. It was all like, hey, can you get me, um, you know, a Nintendo Switch? Hey, can you get me um, gift cards for Microsoft points for whatever, you know? Like, it was that sort of stuff. And it's all virtual um, now, which is fine and all, but... It's just crazy seeing the transition away from actually collecting and getting items to basically just only people being focused on virtual stuff. Yeah, so it's definitely a different world that we're living in. Um, growing up, definitely. I mean, I have a niece and nephew, so I know they, they have no shortage of toys and stuff. But like I said, when it comes to this electronics, like you don't want to get it between a kid and their electrons. Let me tell you, yeah, they will not even abide that you're living um, when you're trying to explain it to them. They're just glued on the screen. And I was probably the same. Oh, way, yeah. Honestly. Like when I was four or five, that's when I got started with gaming and all that stuff on the on the old computer that dial up and not even a dedicated graphics card trying to play Duke Nukem. But, oh, man, I can go on and on <laughs> about games because, you know, that's my my lifeblood, my my big hobby. But um, we're going to wrap things up here on this very filled and introspective episode, you know, going over every little possible thing we could have with with Mandalorian, there's still more stuff we could talk about. I feel like with this episode, the fact that the armor is giving so much knowledge about, yeah, you know, the Jedi um, have to let go of attachments. And then Din was talking about, you know, everything about us as solidarity and loyalty and all that great stuff we didn't even get into tonight. And that's just saying a lot because this episode had a lot to break down for an episode that wasn't a Book of Boba Fett episode. But, man, I want to thank you again for, for joining me here tonight, Ben. I uh, I completely agree with you. Like, I think I think when it comes to this episode, you know, there was a lot to offer, and also a thing we didn't mention earlier. You know, big shout out to Bryce Dallas Howard. She did an amazing job directing this episode. Like, her directing, um, you know, forget forget it being just like a Mando episode, basically. Like, her directing has improved so much from her debut in the Sanctuary for the first episode of Mando season one to now. Like, I think she deserves to be leading up, like, directing, maybe not writing, but directing her own potential Star Wars series, in my opinion. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been giving her praise enough to be like, hey, let's have you do a movie. Let's have you do something to that regard. And then it's like, well, I mean, she's really good with series. Maybe she just get her own, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think... Okay, your mic went again. I don't know what's up. <laughs> you, I think you have a loose wire or something happening maybe on there. I don't I'm know. lost. Do you have a phone near it? Maybe it's like causing interference. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Let's just let's just close it out uh, this way. We'll I'll figure out the mic next time. <laughs> All right. So. For everybody that joined us here in the chat, thanks so much for being very social tonight. We had Dark Nerdy Gonzo. We had Heath Hinton. 
We had Aaron Daly. If you guys want to join, oh, we also had Scrambled Goose in a chat. We had a very lively chat tonight, so you guys are awesome, and you guys can be part of that awesome crew. You can join us live every Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Of course, next week we'll be breaking down Chapter 6 of The Book of Boba Fett, which is also the penultimate episode of The Book of Boba Fett. And I'm going to throw it over to Ben. What are you up to this week? Where, <laughs> where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Ben Maynard. Just talking. I talk everything Star Wars, sports, uh, fitness. Currently dieting right now, down a couple pounds. So that's a you know a great start to the diet. And uh, yeah, just just doing that. It's a great weekend for sports or uh, for the NFL. And that's yeah, gonna be a fun weekend. Trying to stay warm. Pretty much just staying inside and gaming all weekend and watching shows. I need to watch the new season of Oz or the first half of Ozark. Like. Ozark's an amazing series. If you if anyone's never seen that before, I highly, highly recommend it. Like Jason Bateman's done an amazing job acting in it and directing. And uh yeah, I can't wait to watch that show actually as well. Oh heck yeah, heck yeah. As I mentioned off the top, I am a guest on this latest episode of Star Wars Underworld podcast. You guys can watch them on YouTube at their YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe. You could also listen to the episode that is out now for any kind of streaming um downloadable podcast service. I have, as always, been putting out Book of Boba Fett, um, little tidbit lore videos, different things like that. This week, I talked specifically about the little Easter eggs for the Phantom Menace, talking specifically more about the N1 Starfighter, the Pit Droids, BD Droid, uh, not the BD Droid, but the other things, Beggar's Cannon, stuff like that. So make sure you go ahead and check out those videos. Um, it would it would help a lot if you shared them as well. And share this podcast. We want to have more of you guys joining us. We want to have more people listening to us. Uh, we really enjoy everybody's feedback so far. And do give more of your feedback for how we can maybe improve the show and things you like, things you dislike. That would help us a lot with curating this content to be as um, welcoming to new listeners and old listeners alike. So with that being said, it is I, Star Raptor. There is Ben. You can follow us next week on next week's episode. This was Outer Rim Transmission number 43 and Transmission.